Today is Tuesday, July 18th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros, the web designer behind the big religious freedom Supreme Court win speaks to Quick Start. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a rating, all that stuff. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now on this mini Monday, Trey Gons Phillips. Billy's still out gallivanting around on vacation. What's up, Trey? Happy Tuesday. What's up? What's up? Happy mini Monday or yeah. Tuesday. You know, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, we're here for it. Yeah. Happy except for everyone except for those in Hollywood. Apparently everyone's striking. Writers are striking and actors are now striking. And well, uh, this is having I guess some they impact. Get a holiday, you know, <laughs> they get a, but a lot of them uh, don't necessarily want a holiday because they would right. rather have a paycheck. Uh, so yeah, there's um, there's a lot going on. We'll talk about that. All right, looking forward to that. Also on the main thing, as I mentioned at the top, there we're going to speak to Lori Smith, who was the woman behind this case that was a historic Supreme Court win, cementing First Amendment freedoms for business owners. And she talked to Billy, and we'll have that conversation coming up on the main thing. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And Jewish House Democrats are circulating a letter denouncing a Representative Jayapal's comments, calling Israel a racist state. The comments were made in response to a pro-Palestinian demonstration that disrupted a panel discussion. Jayapal later tried to clarify her statement, saying she doesn't believe Israel is a, as a nation is racist, but she criticized the government's policies. The draft letter appreciates Jayapal's retraction, but condemns efforts to delegitimize and demonize Israel, stating it's, uh, it as the legitimate homeland of the Jewish people. And a real-life castaway... Well, an Australian sailor named Tom Shattuck, who's 51, and his dog Bella, they survived over two months lost at sea after their boat was damaged and the electronics failed as they were going from Mexico to French Polynesia. They drifted in the Pacific Ocean, sustaining themselves by drinking rainwater and eating raw fish that they caught. A helicopter accompanying a tuna trawler spotted their drifting vessel and rescued them. And CBN's team introduced families to Superbook at UK's Big Church Festival. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at cbnnews.com. I love Superbook, by the way. If your kids aren't watching it, watch it. It's fantastic, Um, but it's it's really well done. So make sure you're you're checking that out. It's great, great programming for the kids. Uh, But Trey, I'm I'm uh, fascinated by this real life castaway story couple months out there at sea months uh i'm not making it it's not happening <laughs> i'm not surviving not because i wouldn't want to but just because i it must yeah, well have, it must have been nice to have the dog with him at least some company but that's that's a that's it a seems rough pretty go. miserable right yeah it seems, yeah. seems pretty awful i mean i'm just imagining like I've been watching recently. I don't know why I've suddenly taken an interest in this, but um, the deadliest catch. Because, oh yeah, because it's it's uh, addicting. That show, it really is. It is. Ad- it is addicting. Um, you never thought. Missed- you never thought you cared how many lobsters were going to be right, in one no. of those those uh, cages. You just, you know, you you never thought you were like, I can't. Well, I hope it's full. 
Right, right. You're like, why do I? I don't even like seafoods, but here I am rooting for more, for more fish and more crabs. And like, I've never even eaten one of these things, but I hope you have a lot of them. Right. And I like, but anyway, I'm just imagining somebody out at sea, completely by themselves, no resources, and with their dog. So like, it's a comfort to have your dog, but also you've got to keep yourself and the dog alive. Right. Yeah. So you, like, you, right. You catch a fish, and then it's like, well, I guess I got to split it <laughs> right. so i just i i mean it seems like it's a miracle this dude and his dog survived right? there's like there's just no way there's no way i would be dead like week one well i guess i i guess i should just give up lord take me now i can't do this i can't do this any longer <laughs> yeah um, well but, i don't know what uh, kind of story's baffling it is and i don't know what kind of boat he had but it sounds like you know the boat damaged the electronics failed at least they might have had it wasn't like they were on like a tiny piece of wood or something and trying to balance themselves. It wasn't a Wilson situation. Right, right. At least they were on like an actual boat, even though it was not functioning. Yeah. So well, there's that, but. I don't know. I guess Gilligan's Island is is, is due for a reboot. So yeah. go in that direction <laughs> there, there too. There you go. There you go. Well, I was fascinated by the story nonetheless. So <laughs> hopefully it doesn't turn out to be fake like everything else. But as far as we know now, it's absolutely true. So. All right, we're going to move over to the focus story now. And the SAG strike in Hollywood was bad news for The Chosen, but they have an update. So what's happening here, Trey? Yeah, so The Chosen has been granted a waiver from this ongoing strike that's happening happening now with actors and writers. So originally writers started this strike, uh, screenwriters in May, and then actors uh, for film and television joined this strike uh, this past Friday. Uh, and just uh, yesterday, uh, Dallas Jenkins, the creator of The Chosen, he announced that they were granted a waiver to get continue filming uh, their show and according to deadline so far the chosen is the first and and really only uh, tv or film production that's been successfully granted a waiver of course a lot of people have applied uh, the chosen is the first one to receive the waiver to have the green light to continue filming uh, these waivers are only available to quote truly independent producers uh, so that means as long as they're not associated in any way with the alliance of motion picture and television producers which of course is not not a lot of a lot of producers. Most are in some way either associated with a major studio uh, or with this alliance of motion picture and television producers. Uh, so that limits who's who's applicable for this. But anyway. The Chosen now is is able to continue filming, which is great news for them because they actually only have two weeks left of filming in Utah uh, before the entire fourth season is wrapped. Uh, yeah. So they were right at the finish line and were obviously pretty disappointed to, to see the strike start and know, man, we can see the finish line. We're literally two weeks away from being completely done and we have to shut everything down. Uh, and, and that kind of left season four in limbo. Yeah, that's very interesting and glad that they were able to get that waiver. But what was the strike about in the first place? So the strike is ongoing uh, now. All of this, like I said, it started in May when writer members of the Writers Guild of America walked off their sets uh, over studios using new streaming business models, which uh, essentially it means they're paying screenwriters less money for more work uh, because uh, in the past when a TV series did well, uh, you get continued residual pay, right? Because there's going to be re-airs. It's going to go back on the air even after a season is wrapped. 
Uh, it may get more seasons if the show does well. Uh, with a miniseries that's on a streaming platform, uh, they pay the actors and the writers up front. You get one one lump sum, uh, and then you're done. But the the studio will continue to make money off of of the series because they're getting new new subscribers. Uh, they're getting new people to join the the, the platform just because they want to watch this show. Uh, but the actors and writers aren't continuing to get paid as they were in a, a previous model uh, before streaming kind of upended all of this stuff. Uh, and then actors joined this past week, um, essentially adding, you know, they have the same complaints, but also they're adding uh, arguments or demands for more protections for actors' likenesses, because right now, a lot of studios can, without paying these actors, can use their likeness uh, using artificial intelligence, uh, which seems to me crazy, right, that they can create a likeness of an actor uh, and put them in a scene or something and, and not compensate the actor for it uh, because the actor didn't act in the series at all. It was a, an AI generated image of them. Uh, so that's, that's also in there as part of the demands. But what's fascinating to me, Dan, about all of this is the last time that the writers and the actors uh, went on strike together was 63 years ago when none other than Ronald Reagan was president of the Screen Actors Guild. <laughs> and he was the one who successfully negotiated an end to the strike. Because of course he did. Of course Ronald Reagan would. <laughs> but yeah, that is really fascinating. And it's really interesting to me just seeing Hollywood in general have this sort of a setup. You know, you have these unions and then the little guy ends up having to do these strikes. Meanwhile, the big actors are all fat and sassy. And, um, <laughs> but But then we get lectured constantly here in America about how we don't treat the little guy well and how blah, 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 capitalism is so bad. We need the unions, but then the, this yeah. seems to be Who worse when there's unions. Yeah, it seems to be worse yeah, well, when that there's was, unions. That was one of the things that Dallas said in his open letter to the Screen Actors Guild was, we're fine to meet these demands. We think the issues that you're raising are valid. They're legitimate concerns. But this strike is costing us and our actors hundreds of thousands of dollars because they just have to sit there and not get paid for work. Uh, but they can't do anything. They can't go anywhere. They've got to stay here and stay in Utah uh, and just wait it out. He said, this is costing us. We're a small budget project. This is costing us hundreds of thousands of dollars while y'all are striking. Uh, and, and we've never had an issue, right? He said, we're happy to comply with your demands. Um, so anyway, fascinating yeah. story and good news for the chosen. Yeah. And it's a good news for, I mean, it just seems like it's going to be more enticing for people to be independent like this, especially with technology now and the ability to make things a little more efficiently, yeah. but, you know, not having to have all these insane electronics in order to film a movie. I mean, you can do something halfway decent with an iPhone. Obviously you want to do more than that, but point is you can do it a lot um, more on a budget now than you could in yeah. the past. So it seems like when you have to potentially deal with things like this, it's, it's a lot, it's worth the hassle uh, it's you're, you're avoiding the hassle by potentially being an independent distributor, or independent filmmaker. Yeah, I think that's true. It's interesting that a lot of this new technology, particularly with streaming, has caused these problems now that actors and writers have. But it's also, as you said, opened opportunities for completely different work where you can actually kind of successfully sidestep these unions that when they were started, obviously, Nobody had any idea that you would eventually be there would eventually be loopholes to work around 
uh, these kinds of strikes. Uh, but thankfully, uh, there are. You know, it's capitalism proof that capitalism is still yep. working, yep. Uh, even in the midst of this this union stronghold. Indeed, indeed. All right. Well, uh, thanks for the update there, Trey. We're going to head over to the main thing now. And Lori Smith is the woman who won a historic Supreme Court case last month, which cemented First Amendment freedoms for business owners. And she's speaking out and explaining what motivated her to engage in this legal battle. She and her attorney, Jonathan Scruggs, sat down with CBN's Billy Hallowell for today's main thing. Lori, you recently won your Supreme Court case, a massive historic case in a six to three. Uh, what what did it feel like when you heard that the ruling had come down in your favor? Well, I would say that I certainly just ecstatic. I was with my family and we had prayed for this moment for seven years. So ecstatic and grateful that the court stood to protect speech, not just for me, but for every American. That was a moment worthy of celebrating, and we continue to celebrate today. Yeah, I want to get into some other elements of what life has been like, you know, in the midst of that celebration, because I know that there are pros and cons when it comes to the reactions that people have. But your case uh, was a really important case because for a long time now, we've been having individual battles at the state level all over the country uh, regarding the First Amendment and whether or not bakers and photographers and graphic designers such as yourself should be mandated or forced to create something, a message against their will. Can you talk a little bit about, you mentioned the seven years, you were on quite a long journey in this legal battle. What was it that led you to say, you know what, I'm going to take this challenge on and not just take it on, but I'm going to fight all the way to the end? I'm a graphic and website designer. And from the start of my business many years ago, I've wanted one thing, and that's to create speech consistent with my convictions. And I want that for everyone. Unfortunately, the state of Colorado was censoring and compelling my speech. So after much prayer and consideration, I decided to take a stand to challenge Colorado's injustice. I know that if I want speech and free speech for myself, then I need to also defend it for others, not just today, but for future generations. So that's exactly what I did. I challenged Colorado's injustice, and after seven very long years, The highest court in the nation affirmed that the government can't force anyone to say something they don't believe and ultimately has correct Colorado's injustice. You know, Jonathan, I want to go to you on this because one of the things that has happened is, you know, the framing of this, it's become sort of, oh, this is a license to discriminate for Christians, to discriminate against the LGBTQ community. That's been one sort of thread that I've seen in media covering this. Can you speak about why, in your view, this would actually be a victory for everyone, um, not just one particular worldview? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it really was a great victory for the First Amendment, for free speech, and for all Americans for precisely this point, that it doesn't apply just to protect Lori. It applies to the LGBT web designer. It applies to the Muslim artists, the Jewish artists. Uh, it applies to everyone. And that's exactly the point. And I'd encourage people just to read the opinion because the opinion makes that point again and again and again, that these freedoms, if we want freedoms for ourselves, we've got to extend to others. Uh, And it was the state of Colorado that was coming in and singling out particular views and saying, you've got to express our views. And that's just wrong. 
So we are just so excited that this decision came out to protect everybody, regardless of their viewpoints, uh, such as those artists that I mentioned. You know, one of the things, you know, I've been covering these stories for a long time, the bakers, you know, down the line, Lori, we've talked before in the past, and it is interesting because many times in these cases, you will see that a lesbian-owned print shop will comment or, you know, other individuals will comment and say, you know, we support people like you, Lori, because we don't want to be compelled. So in the case of, you know, a lesbian-owned print shop, maybe they don't want to print flyers for a church. Maybe they don't want to participate in some other ideology that isn't theirs. Jonathan, essentially, under under this you know ruling, they would then be protected as well. I just want to affirm that. Absolutely, and that's the the great part about this ruling. It, it is. I mean, the free speech is so important to a flourishing society, and we live in a society where people disagree with each other, uh, and that's okay. So, ha- what do we do with that? Well, the answer the court said was tolerance, not coercion. Uh, and that's what Lori was standing up for, is that principle that we can disagree, we can voice our opinions, uh, which is just foundational to our society. You know, Lori, I want to I come back to you on this because when you take a position like this and when you have a case go to the Supreme Court, and I know this happened even beforehand, uh, before it made its way there, this had a lot of publicity on it. There are a lot of opinions about it that are not always favorable to your worldview, what has that been like, the other side of it? You talked about celebrating, but but how difficult and what have been some of the responses on the negative side? Well, I certainly have noticed in the last week or so just some egregious lies uh, being spread about my case and an attempt to type, really distract people from the core of what this is all about, which is speech, which is guaranteed to each and every one of us. It's been a challenge, but... Free speech is worthy of protecting, and I'm grateful that the court has stepped in to protect not just my speech, but everyone's speech. And I'm just looking forward to the next chapter. You know, I've always worked with people from all walks of life. I have clients who identify as LGBT. I simply just want to create messages consistent with what I believe, but I want that for everyone. And the court's ruling confirms that we are all able to create speech consistent with our own beliefs on topics like marriage and other things. Lori, how have you navigated the you know concerns about safety, those sorts of things? I would imagine that has come up in this, again, because this is a histor- this is historic, right? It changes things as you both have described in, in or it doesn't change things. It affirms what we knew to sort of be constitutionally true about the First Amendment and the balance with the 14th. Um, but, but how have you balanced that fear maybe of, of some of those negative reactions? Well, for me, my faith plays certainly a huge part of navigating the last couple weeks. I know that uh, when I stand to speak truth, that I will be subject to some sort of persecution. And so I, I step boldly. I continue to walk forward knowing that the Lord has protected my family and I the last seven years and will continue to do so. I have an incredible um, group of people who are praying for me across the country, which allows me to just have peace at the end of the evening. And ultimately, I have peace knowing that what I have stood for protects everyone, including those who have sent me vile messages or have reached out. It really has protected everyone. And so I, I sleep well at night knowing that we are more free this week than we were even two weeks ago to speak consistent with what we believe. And that's a victory for everyone. 
All right, Billy, thanks so much for that conversation there. Really appreciate it. That's going to leave us with time here for one last thing on the pod. So we're going to look at Philippians 4.11. Paul wrote, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And obviously Paul's story is incredible because a lot of times when he was writing these letters, he was sitting in a dark prison cell. And uh, thankfully, the vast majority of us are not in that situation. But with materialism and all this kind of stuff, it's easy to be uh, to be wanting more constantly. But Paul and scripture is telling us, look to be happy. If you have Christ, you should be content with what you have. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, culture is really 80% of the marketing is that you need this, you need that, which is basically telling you that you're you should be discontent with how you're at because you need all of these other things. So it's a, it's a constant bombardment we get um, to tell us that we should be discontent. So great message there, Philippians 4.11. Great spot to leave it on the podcast. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then. <laughs>